podcast. I am your host, Nakia Hines, and I deeply believe that we reach authentic healing through intentionality and candid conversations. I am so excited for you to hear today's episode, but even more excited that you are here with me on this journey to self-actualization. Let's get right into it. Happy Monday, beautiful people. What a beautiful day to be alive and to be in community. Have you taken a deep breath today? If not, go ahead and do that. Have you drank your water? Have you minded your business? No, I'm just kidding. But I do hope you're taking care of yourself, of course. And this week's topic is a topic that is near and dear to my heart, especially because I understand the impacts of isolation, especially when they're not self-induced. I just want to be clear straight from the gate that I don't believe, and maybe this is an unpopular opinion, I don't believe that bursts of isolation are necessarily a bad thing. But I do know that when we are experiencing a, a prolonged period of time with social isolation, that's when people get messed up. So I just wanted to say that as like a little precursor. But yes, this week's topic is really going to dive deep into the research, okay? We're not talking opinions today. I I tapped on the psychologist for this one because I really wanted to get it very clear. Um, But the research that is really heavy on the impact of social isolation on not just our mental health, but also our physical, emotional, spiritual, and cognitive health, okay? I also want to talk to you about the difference between loneliness and social isolation, and then, of course, we will wrap up with some antidotes. You know, we're never going to just admire a problem and not discuss the ways that we can overcome because that's the whole point of the podcast. We can acknowledge a thing and then we go ahead and start to identify how we can combat and overcome and heal from that thing too. All right, so are you ready to get in? This one might be a podcast where you're moving around, you are habit stacking, you might be walking on your treadmill, walking outside, exercising. This one is very um, catered to you not sitting down or having to journal or anything like that. So first of all, let's get into the science. So I think there there was a study done, a national survey done by Cigna in 2018 about loneliness and what it found was that loneliness levels had reached an all-time high and it was like i think there were twenty thousand adults that took the survey almost ten thousand of them reported that they either sometimes felt alone or always felt alone and then on top of that 40 percent of those people also reported that they either sometimes or always felt that their relationships weren't meaningful and that they felt isolated so i just went to break that down right quick the first stat that i shared was that people were saying either sometimes or all the time they felt alone the second stat was that even in community Even with the relationships that were in their lives, people were still saying that those relationships were not fruitful, they were not nourishing them, and that with those relationships, they felt isolated. Now, these are 
in case you don't know, incredibly alarming numbers because there are huge health and mental, physical and mental health risks associated with loneliness. So there was another analysis that was co-authored by this professor of psychology and neuroscience at Brigham Young University, and her name was Julianne. Holt Lundstedt is the whole name if you're interested, Dr. Holt Lundstedt. And what Dr. Lundstedt found was that the lack of social connections actually heightens health risks. Get this, y'all. As much as smoking 15 cigarettes a day or having an alcohol use disorder. That's how much the lack of social connection impacts our health. Could you imagine smoking 15 cigarettes a day? Just, I mean, do it right now then, because what? And she also found that loneliness and social isolation are, child, twice as harmful to your physical and mental health as obesity. So, like, there's just this alarming evidence that social isolation and loneliness just completely increase your risk for premature mortality, And it just starts to like pile on the risk for so many leading health indicators. So the question that I wanted to ask is like, is loneliness actually increasing or is it something that people have experienced like, you know, at various points in their lives? And what I found is that people, it's a two-part answer. People do experience loneliness, but... As the society has shifted to become more of a flight society, and by that I don't mean like you catching flights, you getting flewed out, which that does happen, but a lot of people are not staying in their places of origin. Many people are transplants, like myself included. I do not live near my nuclear family growing up, and I don't, I don't actually live near any of my extended family beyond one sibling. And that sibling still doesn't live that close to me. We're um, like on a good day, we might be 30 minutes away, but it might also be an hour depending on traffic. But I think that on top of this superficial level of connecting, especially impacted by social media, like we have to call a spade a spade, the way that people are connecting and interacting is surface level but also it's transactional so it's like if you do this then i'll do that and if you are operating this way then we can be cool but as soon as that condition is dropped the relationship is no longer thriving or in existence sometimes so even though loneliness and social isolation aren't new things social isolation especially is definitely increasing And it's actually at the highest rate ever recorded, especially because we're at the highest rate ever recorded for people living alone. So we're not even going to get into the fact that people are living alone and then partnering and then living far away from the villages that, you know, they say it takes a whole village to raise a child. But then you have these kids and you're like, oh, this is what <laughs> this is what they mean. Okay, so like 
I just want to, first of all, share some love for the people who experience this and understand that people don't really know what it feels like until you're really in it. And it also tap dances on your central nervous system because you're stuck in this like fundamental state of survival, not just because, you know, you don't have the safe net to land on because your village isn't around you and you're not there, but also because literally Ain't nobody, you're holding everything down, literally. And that takes a toll. Like loneliness has such an impact on how people are able to show up in the world because it doesn't only take a whole village to raise a child. It takes a whole village to get through life, okay? Okay, so now let's get into loneliness instead of social isolation. So yes, that's an experience like we just discussed that's been around since the beginning of time. And good news alert, Loneliness is something that we can deal with. Actually, all of us should deal with this from time to time, especially when like, you know, we experience life transitions such as a transition of a loved one or you know, you move to a new place, you go off to school. Like this is actually called reactive loneliness. So it's when you something happens and you're you're lonely because of it, but it's temporary. It's not a prolonged state of being. You can find your people, connect with your people rather quickly. Sometimes we also need to go in isolation because we need to understand who we are. When we go through that, you know, there was an episode about a butterfly and a chrysalis that I just loved so much because it was amazing how it, it just turned. And if you listen to that when you know which one I'm talking about, but when you think about the butterfly in its chrysalis state, It's not out here hanging out with the caterpillars. You have to go into a space of isolation in order to really transform into the beautiful person that you were always meant to be, to shed some layers, to unlearn some things, to process some heavy emotions that come up when we are dealing with traumatic experiences. So it's not to say, like I said earlier, I wanted to come out the gate saying, I don't think that we always need to be tethered to somebody. You need to have spaces and times and periods of isolation so that you can be intentional about knowing who you are aside from every single thing and every single person. The problem happens though when that experience of loneliness becomes chronic. So it's like it's The chronic loneliness happens when you either don't have those resources like the emotional, mental, financial, spiritual resources to get out and satisfy your social need, or you're just like lacking a social circle to be able to connect with. And that's when you start to get them incels and them trolls on the internet and those people that are just so miserable and depressed and unhealthy and all the things because you're... You, we are biologically wired to need community. Biologically, I'm not talking about just like you know, we need community, we need to kiki with our friends. Like, if you think about the beginning of time, everyone was set in a tribe or a village or with a community. There was no, okay, I'm gonna live here by myself and that's it. Because, guess what? In those times, I'm talking about way back in the day where, you know, people were hunters and gatherers even. Like if you were alone, you were setting yourself up to not survive, literally. 
So, you know, um, we talked about epigenetics, like those things are passed down. The way we were created didn't really change just because all of the things around us change. Like, of course, we heal best in community. Social connection builds resilient Uh, resilient people and resilience within us. A healthy community is that healing community. And something else that I, since we're talking about these hunter and gatherer times back in the day, I found it interesting to learn that for every child under six in all of those hunter and gatherer communities, there were four developmentally more mature individuals who could model, nurture, discipline, and instruct that child. So that's what we mean by the whole village, right? That's a four to one ratio. Could you, you might be able to imagine, and I'm very happy about this, but I'm just thinking like, wow, could I imagine? How, that would be so beautiful to have that much support, love. And remember, we're talking about healthy connections. We're talking about mature and emotionally present, not just, we're talking quality over quantity. (laughs) But the truth of the matter is is that there just is a direct relationship between a person's degree of social isolation and their risk for physical and mental health problems, okay? To be excluded or dehumanized in an organization, a community, a social group, or society that you're a part of results in prolonged, uncontrollable stress that will tear you up. That in itself is a fundamental trauma. So when we have this conversation, I just really need you to know it's not just like something that came out of thin air. These things really impact the way that we operate and the way that we can even be regulated or dysregulated. They show up in the way that we operate with other people. Like it really matters how we show up and it has nothing to do with the I don't want to say nothing to do with the choices that we make because the choices that we make sometimes do contribute to our isolation but sometimes in this society like I just feel like sometimes the cards are stacked against people you know what I mean because and we'll talk about this later but one thing that we have to do even if you are a transplant even if you are someone who experiences that loneliness because you are physically far away from the people that would be in your village you have to build a new village. But there are people who aren't able to do that for whatever reason. In fact, there's another study that shared that one in five Americans say that they're not satisfied with the quality of their lives because they are in community with people and still feel frequent loneliness. That just breaks my heart. That's why I had to pause because I really feel so sad about that, even reporting that. But I really wanted to talk about it because our sense of connectedness is so important. And we keep talking about communal healing, collective care. And I wanted to just talk about why those things are so important by approaching it through this conversation with loneliness and isolation. So we already know, I hope you understand that being socially isolated and disconnected from a community has negative impacts on your life. So now I really want to go deeper. We know it can wreak havoc on your physical, mental, and cognitive health, but there are specific things that are linked to social isolation that decrease our well-being. So that includes depression. It includes poor sleep quality. Even your executive function is impaired. Your cognitive 
abilities decline, your heart rate, your heart cardiovascular functions, and your immune system declines if you are not connected in meaningful ways, y'all. If if we want to even get it um, more specific and we talk about race, among black participants, people who experienced social isolation also experienced double the risk of early morbidity, early death. Like, it's not a joke. Remember, we talked about how, like, isolation, those risks are very similar to the risk that you experience when you smoke a lot, when you're obese, when you don't have access to care, and when you're not exercising. So one thing we have to do is, first of all, take inventory because the loneliness in our lives can raise the levels of stress and harm our bodies in major ways, especially, and this is something we actually don't talk about, but especially among older adults. So, you know, people who are, you know, 60s, 70s, 80s and up, this is so important and it's more likely to set in when there's low family support. So you're probably like, okay, well, what does that have to do with me? I'm 28, I'm 35, I'm 42. Well, baby, God willing, you will become one of those older individuals. So the community that you curate and the skills that you cultivate to be connected to a community are necessary to build now or strengthen now so that when you are 50, 30, 20, 10 years older than you are right now, you are able to be a part of a community or you can understand how to find your people no matter where you end up in life, okay? Um, Something else that I wanted to just talk about before we dig into the, the more positive part is that loneliness and social isolation both can lead to long-term fight or flight stress signaling. So that's when our nervous systems are in the sympathetic and it's fighting for our life. Every single moment, every waking moment, your nervous system got the dukes up, ready to go ham on everything. Which we know, hopefully know that when your nervous system is always in fight or flight, it is exhausting your body making your immune system weaker and weaker, which makes us more susceptible to disease and illnesses and all of the things that we don't want in our life. So it all, like, I'm trying to make it so plain, like loneliness and being disconnected from your community also creates a state of less immunity and more inflammation in your body. It's showing up in your body, not just your mind. And your mind is important all alone. But I just needed people to know that, you know, you can be like, oh, no new friends or I'll cut them off. I don't care. I don't need nobody. I'm independent. Well, babe, yes, you do. It's not cute. And I'm saying this with love. And that's why I wanted to approach this topic in this way, because it's not enough for me to just be like, no, actually, that's not true. And here's my opinion why I needed you to know that there are actual bodily and biological impacts that come out of that mentality. So, of course, there's no like one size fit all way that you can combat loneliness. But the first thing you have to do is like interrogate your why. Why is it that you feel like anybody can be cut off? Why is it that you feel like you don't need anyone in your life? 
because hyper-independence and being in, unable to trust people, friend, those are trauma responses. Someone has disappointed you so much that you have lost your, I'm laughing not because it's funny because it's not, but I'm laughing because of how like, we show up in these ways with these like this armor up, but really like the anger is actually signaling that you're hurt. So the first thing we have to do to address this is pay attention to what's creating this type of response in the first way. How can we address those thoughts so that we can improve our social skills, enhance our social support and increase our opportunities for social interaction? How can we show up differently? I'm not I'm not victim blaming at all. I I know for sure that there are some trash people in the world. I know there are people who are not dependable. If you had to grow up in an environment where you couldn't depend on anyone to meet your needs, then of course your your body was trained to continue that. But remember what we talked about, the skills that we had to use in our survival period are no longer useful. In fact, they are harmful when we are trying to thrive. So this no new friends, I can't trust anybody. I don't need anybody around me. Yes, that worked when you had to protect yourself when there was imminent danger. But right now, when you are actually in a space where you are physically, emotionally, spiritually safe, and you actually do have space to create long-lasting, beautiful, flourishing friendships and connections, Having that mentality will sabotage you every single time. So I'm not here to talk about like the the expected ways to combat social isolation and loneliness. Like, you know, join a group, be around people that you enjoy, call a friend, get to know your neighbors. Like you can find all of those strategies when you hit Google, literally. But I want us to think about how we can contribute to healthy societies by first digging into the things that are causing us to withdraw from society in the first place. Are those people that disappoint you, are, if you look at the duration of your relationship or your connection, like, were they showing you anything at the end that that you didn't see in the beginning? Because often the signs are there, but we put on our rose-colored glasses and we're like, oh, I see the potential in this person. So I'm just going to believe and trust that as I grow, they're going to grow too. Well, no. Unfortunately, it doesn't always work that way, right? And that's okay. We live, we learn, and we let go. Let go of the disappointment and also remember that you can affirm yourself. You can manifest these, these relationships into your life. I, when I experienced loneliness and was like, I cannot do, I really can't do surface level connections, y'all. Like, I just cannot. I, they, it irritates me. It tap dances on my nerves and then I'd be like, oh, please get away from me. Like, I don't say it out loud, but that's how I feel because that's just not how I'm wired. So now that I know that about myself, I prayed about it. Literally took it to the king. Take me to the king. I had to do that. And I don't know why, but like I had to ask the Lord to send me people who had good integrity, who wanted to be in healthy reciprocal relationships, who wanted to really grow together and share our interests and that I didn't have to have my guard up with, that I could fully be myself. Like I had to pray about that. I'm not, 
I am not here to tell you that you got to do this on your own because you can't. But of course, we co-create our experience, our lives with our Heavenly Father because he made us images of him. So if he's the big creator, then we are also creators of the experience that we are currently having. But it always starts with us going inward first, us trying to figure out what is it about me that makes me just not want to deal with people? How can I address this? Which, of course, might mean we go to our handy dandy therapist, we read books, we figure out how to be in community in a way that feels safe for us and in a way that just reminds us that life is really and truly so much better when we're not doing it alone. There are so many different like moments in my life that were the best moments of my life and they were always with other people. Of course, there are moments where I'm so proud of what I've done on my own and really sidebar, there's nothing that we do on our own because like even right now, I'm speaking to you through a, a an app that somebody else created, a phone that somebody else's hands created. So even in this moment, I'm speaking to you, but I'm not really doing this on my own. I pray for wisdom. I pray for, you know, God to send me to the resources that I need to be able to make the points clear if necessary. So all of these things are done in community anyway. Community is swarming around us, but how can we be more intentional about addressing our needs for isolation, identifying what season we're in too, remember? We have to make sure that if this is a season of isolation that's helping to grow us, that we make the most of it and not grope and mope about it because it's temporary. But allow yourself to be open to the possibility of staying connected and having long lasting friendships and connections and relationships in your life. All right, that was a long episode today, but I really hope that it sparked something in your own mind that you can journal about, have a conversation about, just really exploring your life as we continue to heal. Thank you for listening. I appreciate you always. Okay, bye.